if you take a look at this, it makes sense. Because, uh... Love Talk Radio. Michael Trent. Scott and Mike and their versatility bring new light to many topics in and out of the world of fantasy sports. Guests can reach the show by calling 347-324-5404. Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio, where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. Let's hope they're still friends afterwards. Here they are, Scott and Mike. Uh, one month and uh, one month away 
we're ready for some serious football, and everybody's been waiting for it. But uh, it's been a lot of uh, quarterbacks and uh, running backs, a lot of offenses. They've been able to get uh, four or five series uh, in the first uh, few uh, preseason games, Scott. Mike, we've got local leagues firing up all around America. We've got uh, Saturdays and Sundays booked from here on out to the start of the season. And it's a short time away, uh, away, Mike, September 5th, 2012. I'll be on a plane to Las Vegas to be drafted in some of the high-stakes leagues around the country, and it's going to be a big, big time for all of us. It's the best time of the year. It's like Christmas and New Year's all wrapped into one. It's the NFL. This is Red vs. Blue Radio brought to you by Fantasy Players Association. Uh, we have FPA Radio that's launched. We have... Uh, Blog Talk Radio here. We've we've been hosting on Blog Talk Radio for what now four or five years, Mike, and and yep. we have the Fantasy Sports Channel that brings us live twenty four hours a day, seven days a week. We have Fantasy Sports Radio, so pretty cool what Mark Ronick and the guys put together here at Blog Talk. We're just going to continue to do it, continue to bring it. Three four seven three two four five four zero four is the number at Red Blue Radio on Twitter. Red Blue Radio at Gmail dot com is the inbox. Tonight's rapid fire, Mike is which wide receiver would you rather own in the drafts this year coming up in PPR leagues? These are PPR leagues. The list includes Torrey Smith, Mike Wallace, Pierre Garçon, Reggie Wayne, and Kenny Britt. Now, it's funny that we hear the names Mike Wallace in there, uh, but the holdout continues to linger. He does not know how to deal with the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Roonies are, are, are really adamant about when they what they say goes and they don't bend. You have to learn – how to work with the Pittsburgh Steelers, right, Mike? And and his draft stock is falling. We watched, we we hosted the Football Guy Players Championship draft last week, last Friday. It was a huge show. We set a record for live listens. We set a record for archive listens. Uh, 2,500 archive listens for the for for a, a show for us is absolutely huge. And so thank you to you guys at the, the Football Guys Players Championship, the FFPC, Dave and Alex, Joe Bryant, David Dodds. It was a great time. But we saw Mike Wallace taken at 6'3", Mike. John Haskell and Sean Coots, a former $200,000 champion, took Mike Wallace at 6'3". The question I have for you, Mike, is does Wallace belong in this group of guys? I've had some people say that he's he's a head and shoulders above these guys, but with the holdout, things are different. Well, I, I think he uh, I think he's head and shoulders above uh, this entire group. Uh Believe it or not, but you know there, there's a there's a lot of uh, intangibles there. Um, the holdout, for instance, uh, I think he's head and shoulders. Mike Wallace is head and shoulders above Tory Smith, uh, Reggie Wayne at this stage of the game, uh, and Pierre Garcon, obviously Kenny Britt, which is a nutcase. Uh, but Mike Wallace, uh, yeah, I mean he is head and shoulders above the rest, above the rest, but. What about the holdout? That's the question that we all have, Mike. I, I don't know what the answers are. The other names in that list, Tory Smith, Pierre Garçon, Reggie Wayne, and Kenny Britt. We're going to break those down. We do have uh, – we have tw- we're going to break down the Twitter responses that we've received so far tonight. Tory Smith is one of those interesting ones that I do want to start the show off with, Mike, because – this kid, uh, a rookie last year for the Baltimore Ravens, known to be a running team, but this cat ha- has lightning speed. And he went the other night in this FPC draft at wide receiver. You ready for this? Yep. 28. Now, 
he finished wide receiver 30 last year. You would think a year under your belt, an up-and-comer, a rising star, a breakout candidate, that you would put a little more faith in him than, than a, than a two-spot bump, right, Mike? So it's a little interesting to see that Torrey Smith was only uh, being drafted at the wide receiver 28 with the caliber of drafters that we saw in that FPC draft last Friday night. I've heard that he had injuries. He played through the injuries all last year. Uh, I can't remember if it was groin or hammy. I need somebody to look that up for me. But he played through those injuries and still finished as a wide receiver 30, kind of a deep threat, Mike. And, and he's more than that. I think he is more than that. And and to see him being drafted at wide receiver 20, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Now, he did have the ankle injury last night. They're saying it's going to be a couple of weeks. So if he's going at wide receiver 28 uh, at 610 right now, you got to think that the injury is going to put him down even lower, which is why I included him in this rapid fire. Mike, what are your thoughts on Torrey Smith? Well, you know what? A lot of that has to do with uh, the fact that Joe Flacco does not get any respect. Uh, and furthermore, Baltimore just re-signed uh, uh, Ray Rice. So a lot of the fantasy world is thinking, well, they're going to continue to hand the ball to Ray Rice. Uh, Ray Rice is going to get uh, a lot of receptions out of the backfield. And Joe Flacco does not get any respect. So I think, uh, I, to be honest with you, out of this group, uh, Toy Smith I highlighted big time because I think he is going to be one of the best. And, you know, it's a division that's going to be tough against the pass, but I think it's going to be a division that uh, Joe Flacco and Torrey Smith can have some fun with, along with Ray Rice. Well, it's interesting. In these leagues, especially in the FPC that we, we watched the draft last week, if you're taking a Torrey Smith, you have to take him around the area where you're getting maybe a second tight end. If you waited on tight end, you're desperate, and you definitely have to get one of those Brent Selleck, Jermaine Greshams, Jared Cook, Kobe Fleener-type picks, Greg Olson's. So if, if you're waiting, there's other positions you could get there. You Maybe you could get your quarterback. Maybe you could get a Tony Romo or a Phillip Rivers. Uh, so, so I can I can see why people are are you know kind of underestimating Torrey Smith, but he has that breakout potential. And you say about Joe Flacco, I have to remind Russ in the chat room here that guy is one play away a Lee Evans drop ball and a Billy Cundiff kick. Either one of those, he's a Super Bowl quarterback going up against Eli Manning, Mike. So Flacco is one of the better premier quarterbacks in the league. I think we have to give him his props. He's a very accurate quarterback. He does what he needs to do. He manages the game. And I think we have yet to see the best from Joe Flacco. So not on a quarterback kick tonight, but I, I don't think that uh, – it's, it's very difficult in these drafts to decide to take a Torrey Smith when you have other options. And we haven't even talked about the running back options around there. You've got C.J. Spiller, Stephen Ridley, Roy Hallou, uh any of these guys that might make sense for your team. It's kind of hard to take a shot on a wide receiver, you know. Uh, so I, I just think he's well, a little undervalued right now. Well, you know, this Baltimore team, uh, that's very interesting to look at uh, when when you see so many options that they do have uh, with Torrey Smith and uh, Ray Rice, obviously, and uh, Flacco. It, it's going to be fun to watch because that, that whole division, it's kind of, like I said earlier, I mean, it's defensive uh, mentality, but Baltimore's kind of wanting to break it out and say, no, we're, uh, we can play offense, and we're going to show you how we can do it. 
Man, this is uh, this is my favorite time of the year, buddy. We got uh, we got the the crew here, the chat room here at Red versus Blue. Some of the best minds in the world of high stakes fantasy football. Ali Fontana just joined us. Big Afro get paddled. Henry Muto, who we will have on the program this hour, uh, he's going to be breaking down his draft in the Football Guys Players Championship. It's a it's a unique uh, a unique look, kind of an old school retro. Back to the past kind of look, Mike, where he started off with the running back position. We're going to talk to Henry here in a little bit. Just Russ was in the chat room. Cotrax, Ormond Rose was in the draft. Raiders, Shane Hallam, the prognosticator is in the house, and Wayne Ellis, who is, wouldn't you know it, in his drafting, man. This is the guys that you're talking about. We These high-stakes people, these, uh, these website people, they draft all the time. They're in this thing. We live and breathe it. Let's move on to the next one on the list, Mike. Pierre Garçon. Now, this kid had a big night last night just in the catch, okay? I don't want to get overreact to, to the to the preseason, but when you're able to go to a new team, have a new quarterback, and show up big in your first game, that tells you that things are rolling right. And this guy, let, let's look at the numbers here for a second. The other night he was drafted as wide receiver 29, Mike. I'm predicting a big, big jump for Pierre Garçon in drafts with just one preseason game out of the way we only saw a couple of plays these three catches are going to cost are going to add garcon about six to eight spots i'll guarantee it he's going to jump up in the draft he was he finished his wide receiver 21 last year mike with curtis painter dan orlovsky and Kerry collins as his quarterbacks okay that's about as motley crew as you get now you become robert griffin's go-to guy he's a beast uh he, he if you saw that touchdown, the, the theme of the Redskins, if you've been watching the Redskins, they've been talking about the yards after catch for their wide receivers. And that's exactly what Garcon did. He catches the screen ball. All 20 of these yards came after the catch. He read his blocks. He made the cuts. And he, he, he was a touchdown. Very physical wide receiver in Pierre Garcon. Like I said, he was drafted at wide receiver 29. He finished his wide receiver 21. This kind of this kind of play that we just saw this 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 one play will elevate him, Mike, into that end of the sixth or beginning of the sixth, middle of the sixth round. You're going to see Pierre Garcon jump up about four or five spots. Well, I'll tell you what, Scott. Uh, you know, I was very impressed uh, about just that one play. Uh, you know, he was uh, he was out at wide receiver and just threw it. And, you know, he almost looked like a running back. And the reason I say that is he was running so low to the ground that next thing you know, he's in the end zone. Uh, so that showed me the confidence that Pierre Garçon had in uh, uh, Robert Griffin. So And and vice versa, Robert Griffin had the confidence in uh, Pierre Garçon. So that could be a tandem to watch for. I don't know if they're going to be that effective uh, come the long ball uh, because there's going to be a lot of the a lot of the uh, uh, the secondaries and everything like that in that same division. You're talking about Giants. You're talking about Eagles. You're talking about cow, uh, newly improved Cowboys. Yeah, I mean those guys are those corners. They're going to be all over Pierre Garcon. So I'm not so sure that he's going to have a huge success. In the conference, but outside of the conference, it could be big success. Mike, we have Wayne Ellis in the chat room, who is a friend of the program, and he lives in good old Evansville, Indiana. 
he is in a draft tonight, and he said that Garcon jumped up two rounds into the mid-fifth. Wow. Uh, so the RG3, Russ is in the chat room. Uh, RG3 consistency will be the question. So that's what we're going to have to uh, we're going to have to keep an eye on that. But I, I really like what I see from Garcon. And look, like I said, wide receiver 21 last year. A better situation this year, more important to the offense this year. That should put him somewhere in the fifth round, Mike. Uh, so I think that's what we're going to see from Pierre Garcon. The next I, player on the I, rapid fire. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah, I understand uh, what everybody's saying. Uh, and I, I, it's not a buy or sell, but uh, I, can't, I can't buy Garcon right now based on that because based on what he's going to have to face, I mean, the Giants, I mean, serious defense, Philly, defense, uh, Dallas, uh, so-so. I don't know. I, I just – I can't buy Garcon right now. Yeah, that is, uh, that is a good point, man. They uh, Those teams in the NFC East are uh, a little bit of a, a grade above when, when you're talking about uh, the defensive matchups. But I still like what I'm seeing from Pierre Garçon. Let's move on to Reggie Wayne, Mike. Reggie Wayne, arguably the best Colts wide receiver in Colts history. There, I said it. Yeah, everybody thinks Marvin Harrison. I know I'm in the minority here. If you look... Uh, at the yep. stats, I did this tonight. Harrison was in the league for 13 years, 14,000 yards, 128 touchdowns, just a ton of touchdowns, okay? Reggie Wayne, 11 years, about 12,000 yards and 73 touchdowns. So, you know, although Harrison ranks fifth all time, if you look at the postseason numbers from Reggie Wayne, it's all Reggie. Reggie in 17 games has nine touchdowns, 83 receptions, 1,100 yards. That's a season, right? Marvin, in 16 games in the postseason, had 65, 800, and only two touchdowns. So how are you the best wide receiver in Colts history if in 16 playoff games you only have two touchdowns? Reggie Wayne has nine in 17. So, again, uh, I love Reggie Wayne. I think he's got a big year ahead of him, a much better year than what people are predicting. He finished as wide receiver 25 last year, Mike, with, again, the motley crew of quarterbacks we had, right? He is a little bit older. But is he this year's Steve Smith? That's the question. He got drafted at wide receiver 30 this year. You bring in Andrew Luck, one of the best quarterback prospects in our lifetime, Mike. And here he is being drafted at wide receiver 30, worse than he finished last year with that that hodgepodge of quarterback solutions. This team with Andrew Luck is going to be slinging it, especially in the second half after this rebuild. They're in dire straits. They're going to be behind. And in the second half, it's going to be throw, throw, throw. And Luck is a very accurate quarterback. So, what do you think about Reggie Wayne in his ADP and where he'll finish at the rest in the end of the season? I, you know what? I like Reggie Wayne, and I don't like Reggie Wayne. Uh, the reason, let's first talk about the way I don't like Reggie Wayne because uh, they need to have some type of running game uh, to keep those uh, corners honest. They've got to have a running game. So Reggie Wayne can uh, run it, run his routes, uh, go downfield, do whatever he needs to do. Uh, you can't go first and uh, second and ten, third and ten, because everybody knows what's going to happen. Uh, as far as his connection with uh, Andrew Luck, I think him and Andrew Luck, are, they're going to be a great team. But it all falls around the fact, can they establish some type of run? 
If Indy can establish some type of run throughout any type of game, then Reggie Wayne is off to the races. So what I would do as a fantasy owner, that's just me, is I would really, really uh, scope out and find out which team has the worst rush defense and then go with uh, Reggie Wayne full board. All right. That's some analysis from uh, Michael Trent. Hey, I haven't heard the buzz meter in a while. Oh, man. You you can't you can't fault me, man. I, I I haven't heard the buzz meter in a while, so you know. Uh, let's I move on. Oh, man. Let's move on to the fifth. <laughs> hey, Mike, if Reggie Wayne finishes wide receiver twenty-five, here's some trivia. Does that mean he's a low-end wide receiver two, or a low-end wide receiver three, or a high-end wide receiver three? Low two. Low two, okay. You know, because I don't recall any any part of last season where I felt like starting Reggie Wayne last year. You know, that's the thing. I had a lot of teams, and most of the teams that I had him on, I was like, no, 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 I'm not putting him in there. You know, it was just one of those things. It just was such a horrible situation for him. For him to finish his wide receiver 25, he is going to finish better than that this year. So let's bring on our guest of the hour, Henry Muto. Chimras was in this draft. He drew the seven hole last week. And that is the draft spot that I want to talk about, Henry. Welcome to Red vs. Blue, my man. Hey, guys. How you doing? What's up, Henry? I just uh, finished the draft myself tonight, right before coming on. You're an animal. He's an animal. Look, Chris Johnson, you're sitting there. Calvin Johnson just narrowly escaped you. I know you probably would have taken Calvin if he fell to you. I, I I always figured you uh, I, I if I remember correctly you were always a big Darren McFadden guy so if if I'm correct in that let's talk about the McFadden Chris Johnson decision was that even a choice for you? Uh, no, actually I'm not a big Darren McFadden guy. Usually I uh, come in and I draft two or three wide receivers to start. Last year I drafted from the 12 hole, went wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver, and uh, didn't really work out too well. So, uh, well, I walked into this draft, and I said I want one of six players, and they went one through six. <laughs> <laughs> so so my backup plan was Chris Johnson all the way, but I really didn't expect to go to that. I thought Jimmy Graham or Calvin would fall. I was pretty sure the first four running backs were going to be gone. And then, uh, well, I, I came into this draft, and I said I'm not going to draft uh, three players, Chris Johnson, Maurice Jones-Drew, and Adrian Peterson, and I walked out of the draft with all three of them. <laughs> so... It just shows you at any point in the draft, you really never know what can happen. And, in fact, I went back and did some research because I started high stakes in 2003, and I traditionally draft two or three wide receivers in my first three picks. And I wanted to see, did I ever draft three running backs in a row? And in about 80 drafts where you actually have to put a lineup in, not count draft masters, I never drafted three running backs to start until this one. So wow. <laughs> this goes to show you your best laid plans can be uh, ruined right on the spot. Well, you went you went the route of three running backs in a row, and let's look at that strategy. Chris Johnson, Maurice Jones-Drew, Adrian Peterson. Definitely risk there with the holdout and the injury, but risk you can live with at that point in the draft for Adrian Peterson for sure. Maurice Jones-Drew continues to slide. The chances of these guys holding out usually are slim to none, and we kind of get wrapped up in the preseason and so it's nice to see that you went for it because in the FPC, 
That's what you'll get rewarded for is going for it. If you're in these early drafts, you'll be able to get an MJD in the middle of the second, whereas if you draft later in the, in the season, after preseason, and maybe after he signs, look, let's face it, you're not, nobody's going to get MJD in the mid-second like that, so you got him for a steal. I'm sure that's what you're thinking. Uh, that's uh, the hope at that time. Um, I really didn't want to draft him because he is holding out, and I'm a little worried it seems to be getting ugly. The other guy I debated at that spot was Sproles, but uh, just too many New Orleans guys. I haven't really got on board of Sproles this year, even though he was a monster last year. Yeah, not at his prime. And then in the uh, third round, I really didn't want to take Peterson, but I said if he fell to the third round, I'd have to consider it. My other decision on that one was Julio Jones, and uh, right now I'd rather have taken Julio Jones. But uh, looking back on it, I decided to go with Peterson because I said, you know what, I'm either going to finish last or I'm going to try to make the playoffs. You know, I don't care about sixth, fifth, fourth, you know, or eighth place or whatever. So figured if I could stay in contention at the beginning of the year and then like Glenn last year, I mean, he finished like five and six or six and five, but he put up a lot of points and really the middle of his draft, didn't work out for him too well, but he was great on waivers. And then Aaron, Aaron Foster and a couple other guys, Cruz, just blew up for him at the end to Marco Murray, and that carried him to the championship. So I'm not as concerned about the start as the finish. But uh, the receivers I got, yeah, they're pretty uh, pretty motley crew there, so I'm not sure if I'm going to have enough firepower. I went with Fred Davis in the fifth round. I really banked on Mike Wallace falling to the sixth. He was dropping like a rock, and I didn't know if uh, Fred Davis would fall to the sixth, so I took a chance, passed on Decker, passed on Antonio Brown, and I really thought I was going to get Wallace in the sixth, but he got nabbed just in front of me, and I took uh, Deshaun Jackson, who I really hate. (laughs) But I figured, you know, hopefully he'll bounce back. Otherwise, you know, my receiver's going to be screwed this year. (laughs) Hindsight, 20-20. Hindsight's always twenty twenty. You look back and you're like, oh, I would have done this, I would have done that. And that's what we do these drafts for. But you brought up a good point uh, about Julio Jones. Here's another player that went 3-8 in your draft. And, again, if you decide to draft early, before the preseason, sometimes you can get these uh, get these steals in the draft. And then, you know, you're not going to see in Vegas Julio Jones falling out of the second round. Not once. You won't see it. It won't happen. You're going to see him go in the first round. You're going to go, see him in the mid-second. 3-8 is a thing of the past now for Julio Jones, unless he sustains an injury. So he is the hot player right now. Julio Jones, he looked absolutely fantastic with Matt Ryan the other night, like six catches, 100 yards, and a touchdown. And He has that uh, it factor. He was drafted very highly with A.J. Green. But, hey, let's, let's not uh, cry over spilled milk, right? You get Matt Stafford, you bring in Fred Davis, and in a draft master, I think you can afford to be a little weaker at wide receiver because you can get those big ball, uh, big game players, Santonio Holmes, Nate Washington, Mike Williams, Jonathan Baldwin. You start piecing them together. And I do like that 19th pick in Alshon Jeffrey because, look, let's face it, if Marshall goes down, this kid has the, op- the opportunity and ability to be a number one wide receiver. And Cutler, I just have a feeling, would find him. So, even if Marshall doesn't go down, I think we're going to see good things from him. So uh, what, do you, what do you think about that Jeffrey pick in the 19th? Uh, um, it was just a flyer mainly. Um, the guy I really like is Jonathan Baldwin this year. Um, for some reason, I got a feeling like he might have a big year. 
Um, so I've been grabbing him as much as I could, you know, in these drafts, 13th, 14th round. Uh, here's a funny thing uh, that people might look at and think kind of odd. Why did he draft Akers, the number one kicker, set all kind of records last year, and then he takes the kicker in the 20th round? Well, last year I drafted Hartley in the, as my only kicker in this league and took a zero because we go six weeks before the season and there's no waivers. And I said, okay, never doing that again. I'm drafting in the 20th round a backup kicker. I'm not taking a zero again. And I was just really annoyed with that. So from now on in these FP, you know, FPC ones, if I'm drafting more than two weeks in front of the season, I'm taking a second kicker. Just not taking another zero, even though it's a freak accident. It seems kickers are going down in droves lately. So it's just something that bothered me. I'm like, I'm taking a second kicker. <laughs> uh, hey, Henry, uh, real quick, uh, what what kind of uh, impact did uh, Ryan Matthews have uh, on that draft? And uh, where did he go? And uh, what do you see? Uh, what do you see happening with that situation? Yeah, that was uh, pretty cool tonight. Uh, two guys I was wanting to see how they fell. Um, I drew the one pick tonight, and it was kind of weird because this is my 15th draft, and I hadn't drafted in the top three. So I got the one pick, and uh, I wanted to see where Matthews was going to go and where Richardson was going to go. Matthews went at pick 18, and Richardson fell to me at 24, and I just didn't think I could let him fall any further, so I nabbed Richardson at 24. But uh, I'm not sure if the guy who took Matthews tonight I mean, it's hard to gauge whether that's actually too early or not. Um, yeah. He is supposed to be, you know, out possibly six weeks. So that is a real dicey situation. I was glad I had the one pick, and I didn't have to decide on that in the second round. I was glad he was off the board. Because taking yeah. Richardson was tough enough. But uh, I think Richardson should be back by week one. I, I live here near Cleveland. So I got a good idea that I think he should be back by week one, but you never can tell for sure. Well, one more one more question, uh, Henry. Uh, it's Mike. Uh, just kind of curious. Uh, the there, there seems to be a lot of depth at wide receiver and running back, but uh, maybe a little bit more depth at running back uh, this year than uh, say the last two or three years. Uh, do you see that? Uh, I mean. What kind of depth are you going to see in rounds 10 to 20 uh, you, you, for a redrafter that are going to make somebody uh, feel confident about a wide receiver or a uh, running back? Is there more depth or less depth? I think uh, I, I group my uh, players in tiers, and I'm pretty comfortable with the top 26, 27, 28 wide receivers. And then after that, gets a little more shaky, but the running backs, I'm only confident with about 18, and I'm a really big wide receiver guy because running backs get injured a lot, and I don't mind going wide receiver, wide receiver to start most of my drafts, but my very first draft this year, I went wide receiver, wide receiver from the back end, and I knew right away that's not really going to work out very well this year compared to years past because every single running back I wanted was gone before my third-round pick. So right off the bat, I knew that uh, you really this year got to get a running back with one of your first two picks, or at the very latest, your third pick if you got an early third. Because after about 18 running backs, you really are taking chances on guys like, you know, Bush repeating, Redmond holding the job, Turner not fading, Gore not fading, you know, guys like that. Whereas, uh, 
their wide receiver depth is really nice, I think, this year. Okay. Yep, you are listening to Henry Muto on the Red vs. Blue show, a high-stakes veteran that participated in the Football Guy Players Championship draft. Started off three running backs, got your quarterback and tight end. Henry, that's a strategy that I've always I've been advocating against uh, just because of the, the, the injury and bye week situations that you have to make it through in the FPC. It's a short season. Head-to-head's very important, as is total points. And it's difficult to take your quarterback and your tight end and still have those two solid running backs, two wide receivers every single week and when you ha- when you factor in the bye weeks and the injuries. So I know you thought about that, and you obviously are high on certain players. Is that something you routinely do this year, taking the quarterback and the tight end in the FPC drafts? Uh, the tight end more than the quarterback. Um, the way I've done it so far is if uh, one of the big five, you know, Rodgers, Breeze, Brady, Newton, or Stafford, if they make it to my fourth-round pick, that's when I'll first consider them. I don't really consider them in the first three rounds unless, of course, uh, I did get Breeze at 311 in one of the drafts, and 311 is pretty much close to the fourth. Sure. I went ahead and grabbed Breeze there. But pretty much looking at the end of the third or the fourth, before I'm even thinking quarterback, I, I can't even take Rodgers or Brady in the first two rounds, unless maybe it's a late second, and just doesn't doesn't work for me. And uh, running backs, yeah, this draft is definitely an anomaly. I may never go three running backs in a row for the next ten years. It's just uh, something I wanted to try. Uh, you know, I figure I'm drafting with all these pros. I gotta make a bold statement. Gotta try something different. Uh, my usual stuff's not gonna work against these guys. I've did make the playoffs the first two years of red versus blue. I needed to try something different. And the draft just kind of fell that way. You know, Drew could be value in the second and maybe Peterson in the third, maybe Stafford in the fourth. So I know the, the running back, uh, the wide receiver situation, though, yeah, that's that's definitely going to be difficult. And, uh, yeah, I wouldn't advise this strategy, you know, most of the time for anybody. Well, you also see, I see that you did back up Adrian Peterson with Gerhardt. You backed up Chris Johnson with Ringer. And you threw in a Robert Turbin in the 14th round, kind of sneaky. Now, Henry, I want to ask you about the rapid fire tonight. Our our fifth and final participant in the rapid fire is Kenny Britt. Kenny Britt it was drafted as wide receiver 35 in the ninth round. Now, it's really hard to believe. Here's a guy. 6'3", 215, runs a 4'5", 40, has top five wide receiver potential. I mean, he's he's in the Calvin uh, Fitzgerald, uh, Victor Cruz, uh, you know, that type of caliber if he wasn't such a head case. But we're talking about eight arrests. Seriously, Mike Trent, eight arrests since he was drafted in, in 2009? How How is he even in the league still? Uh, but here he is being drafted at nine at 9-2. So in this rapid fire, uh, Henry, we have Torrey Smith, Mike Wallace, Garcon, Wayne, and Britt. What are your thoughts? Well, I did draft Britt tonight at 9-1 in my draft. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, he's a tough guy to lay off that late just because of, you know, that massive potential. And the funny thing is uh, I was looking at my rankings that I did the night of this draft last Friday, and you were talking about how Torrey Smith went off as uh, wide receiver 28, Garcon 29. Those were my exact rankings coming into this draft. Torrey <laughs> Smith was 28, and Garcon was 29. But uh, as far as the rapid fire, I think uh, 
you got to think that at some point Mike Wallace is going to come in. He's got to be ahead of the group. And then the next four for me actually are all pretty close, but I go now with the Torrey Smith injury. I go Garcon two, Smith three, Wayne four, Britt five. Just there you the, go. the whole. Let me let me throw this in there, uh, Henry and uh, Scott. You know, this guy that's been under the radar for a while is uh, Deshaun Jackson. Where does he fit? I mean, because I'm, I'm looking at ADPs, and uh, Deshaun Jackson is, I mean, his average uh, draft position is right in amongst those guys. So where does, where does Deshaun Jackson fit in this whole bunch? Uh, for me, I got Deshaun Jackson one spot ahead of those guys, actually. But in my tiering group, I have him as a tier four wide receiver, one tier ahead of him. Uh, maybe I shouldn't because last year, uh, very up and down. Uh, but for some reason, I think with his contract settled, he should be uh, back to his old self, I think. Um, and he is actually my wide receiver one in this uh, draft, so that's kind of shaky. He's more of like a wide receiver two or three, but um, I think he'll bounce back a little, but I'm still a little shaky on him. He is the definition of feast or famine, uh, and you do have to wonder a little bit about the health of Michael Vick. Well, Henry, I appreciate you stopping in, man. Always a pleasure to have you on Red vs. Blue. You're welcome anytime, and Third time's a charm, man. This could be the this could be the one with those running backs, that quarterback, those tight ends. You just have to have a little bit of luck on those wide receivers, and uh, I know that's what you're rooting for. Let's see if uh, Jonathan Baldwin's got it in him, man. Okay, thanks, Scott. Thanks, Mike, and you guys have a good night. All right, bye. That's Henry Muto, Chimeras, uh, and uh, from the Football Guy Players Championship Draft, a very well-respected, high-stakes veteran, Mike, and I love to have those guys on that. Uh, have studied and, and do as many drafts as Henry does because you, you know that you have a lot of thought put into every single pick. And, and, and that's the type of, you know, it's not a guy that's sitting down with a magazine and panics and, and just throws a pick out there. There's thought and intention behind every pick. Look, if you look at his sixth-round pick, he has to go wide receiver at this point. He did mention that he was thinking about going wide receiver in the fifth, hoping for Decker or Brown to fall to the sixth. But sometimes it just doesn't happen that way. Now, if I'm looking at that draft board, I'm having to say to myself, everybody thinks like I do. That's the way I always go into these drafts. Everybody thinks like I do because that's what happens. They end up taking your guys. And if you look at Adam Grossman in that draft, he did not have a wide receiver going in. So if you have that draft board up, especially these color-coded draft boards, I love them, Mike. Uh, at RT Sports, I, I think it's bar none the best color-coded draft grid we, we have uh, as fantasy players. And – when you're looking at that team, he doesn't have a wide receiver. When you're looking at uh, Jason Duvall and Corey Duvall, Brothers Mayhem, they don't have a wide receiver. Uh, Silver Bullets only has one. So most of the wide receivers we're taking in the, in the first half of the draft. So it is a stretch to say to go ahead and take Davis when you see that four of those five teams already had tight ends. That's the only thing I can think of that I might have done differently. Maybe go ahead and get my Decker or my Brown to be my anchor then come back and cross my fingers that I can get my Fred Davis or a tight end uh, comparable. But, hey, if you like your guy, you like your guy. Fred Davis hey, was top five tight end last year when he was healthy, and so I, you can't fault him for doing it. It's just it didn't well, work out in, in the draft. Well, you know what, Scott? It's like we talked in the last couple shows. Uh, you know, 
you have to make a decision on when you take your tight ends, when you take your wide receivers, or on your quarterbacks. Tight ends, quarterbacks, because wide receivers, they're going to be there, they're going to be available. Now, which one do you think will be available? Which wide receiver one or two could be available, even down the stretch? I mean, you could grab a solid wide receiver two in, uh, say, round 10, 11, 12, that could pick your team out perfectly. So, uh, you know, it, it's just when you fit them in and what what draft, what draft slot you're coming in from. Three four seven three two four five four zero four is the number. We are live on Red versus Blue, breaking down the Football Guy Players Championship draft that we had last week. The likes of Glenn Lowy, Lou Tranquilly was on the program, Orman Rose, Cotrax, Henry Muto, John Haskell, and others. Mike, it was a fun, fun time. It broke records for Red versus Blue. We had uh, the the most archive listens of any show. To date, Mike, so it was a whole lot of fun. We're going to keep doing it. We have several drafts coming up, Mike. We've got our local leagues coming up. We've got the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship. We have the FFPC, the NFFC, the new upstart FFWC. There's just a lot going on in the industry. And, Mike, I do want to bring up uh, the ruling that happened this week. I know uh, it's not something we like to talk about, but in the high-stakes world, the World Championship of Fantasy Football, judgment was laid down. The Missouri Attorney General ordered the World Championship or Gridiron Fantasy Sports to pay $126,000 in restitution. Now, is it the dollar amount that we wanted to see? No, it's not. But it should go to show that you can't just get away from this stuff scot-free. Okay, when when there's impropriety, when there's mis- whether it be mistakes, misjudgments, miscalculations, or grand or downright theft. You're not just going to get off scot free. I, I was, I know that people have mixed feelings on this, but um, Mike, it is a judgment, and that's what we have. Well, you know, I, I don't, I don't have mixed feelings on it. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm talking, uh, I'm speaking from a person. I've never won that much, but for those that have, uh, they deserve that money, and. Uh, when I'm when I'm looking at it and thinking about it, it's got to be done right. The bottom line, it's got to be done right, and it it puts a black eye on the industry because, let's face it, we have a fun game here. I mean, this is a fun game from uh, from the first Sunday in September to the last Sunday in uh, December. I mean, it's a lot of fun. So don't make uh, don't make us fools. So just do the right thing, guys. We still need to get an official statement from Jack Hahn. He is uh, our legal advisor at the FPA. He is going to be researching that and, and trying to come to some resolution to, to kind of make sense of the legal jargon there. A lot of people are saying that the creditors are the first uh, the, the, the first uh, lender there, so they get the um, they get the first pass at any money that is available. We'll have to see how that all shakes out. Maybe it stays with the Missouri AG. We're still not sure what that judgment's all about, but that's why we have Jack Hahn on the board. He will get us answers, and we'll get them to you, uh, the players. Okay, let's get back to preseason, Mike. It's a lot more fun. Preseason's here. We had a we had a huge night last night. Like we said, um, several things that we have to take note of. Griffin to Garcon, we talked about. Matt Ryan to Julio Jones, Mike, if you haven't been watching, um, Matt Ryan to Julio Jones looks like the connection to own 
that is ready for that breakout. Now, we always know the Stafford and Calvin connection, the Brady and uh, Gronk connection, the Breeze and Jimmy Graham. I think now what we're seeing uh, is the the next you know tandem here to really make that leap could be Matt Ryan and Julio Jones, Mike. Luckily for me, I, in my FPC draft, that is exactly what I did. I took Matt Ryan as my first of the second-tier quarterbacks, took Julio Jones. I'm kind of loving that. That's what you got to kind of you got to kind of get a lucky break here to win this FPC. It's it's one hundred fifty thousand dollars on the line. You got to go for gold, Mike. What do you think about Matt Ryan and Julio Jones? Well, based on the schedule, uh, I think that they should be fine. Uh, that's you know they're they're not going to have uh, much of a defense to go against uh, each week. Uh, what I'm looking at right now, so uh, they're gonna they're gonna be able to have some fun and. Uh, do whatever they need they need to do. Uh I just uh I the the only uh drawback is uh is there gonna be a running game for that team. But uh anyway, uh Matt Ryan and Julio Jones, uh they can throw pitch and catch basically. Yeah, I, I'm I'm feeling pretty good about that draft. I I took Gon- I took Gronkowski with the first pick, came back and took uh, Darren Sproles, who some may, may think it might be a little early. I still like what I see from Darren Sproles. I think he's an innovative, creative uh, uh, little player that they're going to continue to use. Then I took Julio Jones in the third and Hakeem Nicks in the fourth. So I, you're not going to see that anymore, Mike. Gronk, right. Sproles, Julio, and Nicks. I guarantee you, and Matt Ryan, okay? I mean, I went ahead and got him and locked him down. So you're not going to see that happen anymore. The real mistake was that I took Javid Best as my third running back before the concussion report came out. So you you win some, you lose some, you know, but you live to fight another day, you know. So we uh, we, we enjoy these drafts. That's why we break them down. We, but uh, if you have Matt Ryan and Julio Jones, that's the nice a nice combination that will win you several games. And wins are important. It's not just about total points. You need to get the W's in these short. Uh, these these short seasons for these leagues, Mike. They're eleven eleven week regular season. Let's talk about Stephen Ridley and Shane Vereen, Mike. Both of these backs looked pretty good the other night, and I think that some people are saying that Ridley looks like the the workhorse back, but that Shane Vereen might be the third down back, and you know the guy that catches a few more balls. The the I'm seeing Ridley going pretty late. If we look over at the Football Guy Players Championship draft, Ridley went in the seventh round. Now. That could be a seventh-round pick that gets you 12 touchdowns, Mike. So what do you think about the Stephen Ridley-Vereen? Is this a situation you, you want a piece of, or are you just going to avoid it altogether? I'm a, you know, Scott, I'm going to avoid it altogether. That's the typical uh, situation in New England. I, I, don't wanna, I don't want no part of it. Uh, however, you know, if you can catch them on the right week, they're going to be goldmine for you. I mean, they will do well. Uh you know, I was just uh, I wrote a uh, wrote a note down real quick while you were talking about handcuffs. Uh, this is fantasy football is has changed so much as far as the running back situation because now you need to figure out which running back is going to back up who because you know that situation is going to happen. Just for instance, like what you talk about with the Ridley uh, situation. Uh, the handcuff has got to be there. Now, who do you, who do you pick out, and which handcuff do you pick out? So, it's a it's a it's a different situation. But 
As far as the Ridley and that that whole situation, I don't want no part of that one, but uh, down the road, you never know. All right. We also had Peyton Manning and Eric Decker. Uh, they kind of hooked up a little bit. Demarius got a, got some action. Jacob Tammy got some action. It was really nice to see Peyton back in the fold. Uh, so that's a connection that we'll that we'll continue to see more of through the preseason and uh, and the regular season for sure. We had injuries, Mike. Uh, injuries, too many to count, really. You know, last year we kind of blamed it on the the short season due to the lockout. But here you go with Ryan Matthews. We'll start off the discussion with him. Everybody's conventional number four running back in the draft. He was a top ten running back last year. You lose Mike Tolbert. They're saying all the right things about Matthews getting all the workload, but we have to remember he's Mr. Glass, man. And here he goes on his first carry of the game, a broken clavicle. It doesn't get any more comical than that, to be honest with you. So if you're a Ryan Matthews owner, I'm sorry for you. I I, I feel for you. it's It's a terrible situation to be in when you draft early and you see an injury like that. There's nothing you can really do. The bad thing about drafting Ryan Matthews early is, Mike, there's no real handcuff that you can take to protect your investment here. And that's the hard part to swallow about Ryan Matthews. If you like Curtis Brinkley or Ronnie Brown, so be it. But neither one of those guys are going to be a protected investment for you. Uh, and so it's very tough. I mean, if you take an Arian Foster, you got a Ben Tate. If you take a Matt Forte, you got a Michael Bush. You know, if you take a Chris Johnson, you have a Javon Ringer. It's kind of a – you kind of know what you have in your backup. Now, everybody doesn't have that, but – when you're talking about a Matthews injury history, it's going to be very tough for me to spin that pick. I'm going to continue to let him slide, Mike, and I don't know where I'm going to take him. I need I need some feedback and input from the, the crew in the chat room to tell me at what point do you decide to take Ryan Matthews because if I'm me, I'm taking Sproles. I'm taking Jamal Charles. I'm taking Drew Brees, Cam Newton. I'm taking Wes Welker. It's probably going to be closer to the start of the third round, Mike, before I even consider taking a Ryan Matthews. I want to I want to jump in here real quick. Uh, that the the whole situation about that running back uh, deal in uh, San Diego, in my opinion, Philip Rivers goes through the roof. He okay. goes up big time. I mean, you've got to watch Philip Rivers and where he's being drafted. And uh, what what goes on because that that offense is going to be, I mean, it's going to be pass oriented. This team, I mean, historically they lose, 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 and then they start winning. Well, who knows? North Turner may get this team to win from the front end. Philip Rivers passing instead of running the ball. Never know. The uh, Henry Muto in the chat, he was on earlier. He said Matthews went 2-6 tonight. So that's a, that's a point of reference for post-injury where Ryan Matthews is going. So if you have the seventh pick in the draft, you could get Ryan Matthews in the second round. Uh, that is the way the preseason rolls, Mike. Uh, the other injuries that are of important of note, Michael Vick. Here you have the, the quarterback that kind of blends. He's the bridge between, between the top-tier quarterbacks uh, Cam Newton, Breeze, Rodgers, Brady, and Stafford, and then that second tier of quarterbacks, whichever way you have them, Eli, Rivers, Romo, Manning, Ryan, that tier there. So Vic is kind of the bridge there, and here he is throwing on his throwing hand. He gets it dinged up. You also saw Jeremy Macklin go out with another hamstring, and this has kind of been in the story of his short career with these injuries, Mike. So 
Vic and yeah. Macklin with these injuries, you, that has to worry you if, if you're the offense. Uh, if you lose Vic, you lose everything. So uh, I don't know how that affects McCoy. Let's say Vic and Macklin were out. Uh, everybody starts to defend the run a little bit more. The passing game, uh, his receptions lose a lot of that dynamics. It really hurts everything with a Michael Vick injury. Yeah. McCoy suffers, everybody suffers. In a way, Scott, it does. But uh, I think uh, I think Lashawn McCoy's looking better and better all the time. Uh, I think he'll move up the uh, move up the rankings uh, because they've improved on their offensive line. Uh, I, I think they got what it takes. Uh, I, I know the uh, NFC uh, that that division is going to be tough against the run, but I still think uh, Lashawn McCoy. He's so versatile. He can do so many things. So, uh, you know, you you got to take him early. Well, it's a good question. If Vic were to miss time, is McCoy uh, still a top three pick? I mean, th- the funny thing is, Mike, this first round is a little bit tough. I want to get to that here in just a second. Let me finish up here. The other injuries to note, Trent Richardson, again, getting the knee scoped, should be back week one, may not be re- completely ready for full workload at that time. Might take him a couple of weeks. Here's a guy that... We were just now getting excited about Mike taking him in the first round. I saw him yeah. creeping up there, and now he's going to be falling back to the second again because of a knee injury. So I think we have to ex- expect that. But there is a huge workload in store if he can stay healthy. The other players of note, Ed Dixon, Torrey Smith, uh, a couple of injuries there, ankle, and Dixon with the shoulder. It looked like Dixon was actually going to be involved this year. Flacco was finding him, and, and, and if that's the case, uh, Dixon is a nice value tight end. If for whatever reason you kind of miss on that, don't go chasing the tight end. Let it fall to you later and just have somebody lined up. Ed Dixon might be that guy that can that can help you round out your position if for whatever reason you miss on tight end. Don't be a chaser. Then you'll just be falling behind in the draft. Let it come to you naturally. At some point in the draft, round 12, round 13, you can pick up an Ed Dixon maybe as your, your tight end two, your tight end three. Uh, and you can put something uh, maybe together. He does, he is a he is a young wide uh, a young tight end with a big frame, and he kind of came out with that high upside. Him and Peta, uh, they had that high upside like Gronkowski and um, and and Hernandez did. So they're good well, players. The, the question is, is Flacco going to find? Go ahead and, uh, I mean, they can go ahead and uh, do different things with that offense. Uh, sure. You know, I was pretty high on them uh, earlier in the show. Uh, you know, you're talking about. Uh, Joe Flacco and uh, different things that they can do, and uh, that, I mean, that gives them one more option. Yep. All right, so then after that, Mike, we have, uh, after the injuries, um, I really want to get a look at this first round, Mike, because I'll tell you, I'm I'm in drafts right now, and the first round, it, it doesn't feel as convincing as it once did with the elite players. I mean, I understand we have Foster, Rice, McCoy, we have Jimmy Graham, we have Calvin Johnson, we have Chris Johnson, that's six. Let's say we throw in Aaron Rodgers and Rob Gronkowski, that's seven and eight. Now what do you do, Mike? You're in nine, ten, eleven, or twelve. What do you do? Jimmy Graham. We already got him on there. He was in the top eight. Uh, well, you, you got to go running back, Jamie McFadden. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. You're 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 going to a Darren McFadden, somebody that has he could be called Mr. Glass as well, you know. I mean, you're going to a Darren McFadden. Now let's say McFadden's gone. Who do you go to at 10? I mean, 
you can't take a Breeze or a Brady if you're most most people don't want that quarterback as your first pick. But I'm I'm oh. almost saying to myself, man, would I rather have a sure thing in the first and worry about my team construction later? Because I don't feel like Matt Forte is is really my first round pick this year. I don't know why. I mean, he was dominant last year. You bring in Michael Bush to kind of share the load. You bring in Brandon Marshall. It is Matt Forte's team. Let's say I go ahead and give Matt Forte the benefit of the doubt. If I'm at 11 and 12, I'm still kind of disappointed with my options here. You know what? Uh, it, it makes you it makes you think in the uh, in the leagues that you have to uh, bid on draft selections. Uh, you might want to go ahead and bid pretty high for those uh, first three. Yeah. Well, Mike, this has been a fun show. Red versus blue on every Friday night, 10, 11 Eastern, 10 Central. Uh, we, we're bringing you the high-stakes action. I think we still have one draft left to do. The football guys, uh, the Fantasy Football Players Championship allows us to draft the big payback. I have to get a date confirmation on that. I don't have that in front of me, but the big payback draft is coming up. Let me see if I mark that in my calendar here. So if it's not the... If, if it's not coming up on the 24th, it's got to be the 31st, right? So it has to be right around the corner here, Mike. We are we are literally we are literally just a, a few a, a few weeks away from the big payback. Uh, the baby big the baby BP a $500 entry fee. The winner wins a seat at the big payback league, and that's the $5,000 entry fee. <laughs> and uh, that league is. Uh, Somebody's taking home an incredible amount of money in the big payback. So, Mike, uh, the the preseason is still going on. We could talk about Tim Tebow and Stephen Hill if you want. You know, they look like they were a, a oh. combination tonight. Did you get to see that? Oh, I'll pass. Good. I'll pass. I know everybody's getting tired of it. <laughs> oh Again, you have to do that. I love having and then, control. And, and, and then in a couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about how Lowell's going to kick Kentucky's butt in football, which will happen. Well, thanks go out to everybody in the chat room. We appreciate you. It wouldn't be the same without you. We wouldn't be doing this without you guys in the chat room. I want to uh, make a shout-out to uh, on Twitter at MWB27, Matthew Bingham, with our uh, winner of the Rapid Fire tonight, Mike Wallace, Tori Smith, Pierre Garçon, Reggie Wayne, and last but the least, Kenny Britt. So, Mike, thanks for being on Red vs. Blue again, as always, buddy. It's always a, a joy to get together with you. We've got the Kentucky draft coming up. We've got the FFPC. We've got FPC drafts going on. We've got the NFFC drafts going on, FFWC. Everything is coming together. This is going to be the exciting, most exciting month of our year, Mike. It's Christmas and New Year's wrapped into one. Thank Man, you. I can't Thank wait you. to see everybody in Vegas. Absolutely. We'll see you guys next week. I'm living in that 21st century, doing something mean to it. Do it better than anybody you ever seen. Do it. Screams from the haters. Got a nice ring to it. I guess every superhero don't need a scene. No one man to have all that power The clock ticking, I just count the hours Stop tripping, I'm tripping off the power You've been listening to 
Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio, where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. With your hosts, Scott Atkins and Michael Trent. Please join us next time.